how to start. Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to Creative Principles. I'm your host, Brock Swinson. In this podcast interview series, I'll be speaking with writers, directors, actors, musicians, chefs, and various other types of creatives as we bridge the gap between creativity and productivity. Here we'll be discussing the habits, routines, and lessons that help promote a successful creative life. If this is your first time listening, make sure to subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. This episode is brought to you by IronJohnGear.com. In between your creative pursuits, make sure to check out Iron John Gear for top apparel, footwear, fitness items, outdoor supplies, sports gear, and much more. Visit the website for top deals on things like lanterns, backpacks, tents, snow clothing, bomber hats, sunglasses, fishing gear, and more. Visit ironjohngear.com today and save money on your next adventure. In addition to Iron John Gear, make sure to also check out Freelancer Class, where you can learn how to become a freelancer full-time or part-time. The online course will teach you how to make money online as a writer, marketer, designer, virtual assistant, accountant, or salesperson. Stay tuned after the show to learn how to get access for free to this $99 valued freelancer course, along with some other free items on our website, creativeprinciples.live. The documentary Survivor's Guide to Prison features two former California inmates, Bruce Lisker and Reggie Cole, who were accused of crimes they didn't commit. Audiences get a harrowing look at how barbaric the U.S. justice system works. Today, you're more likely to go to prison in the U.S. than anywhere else in the world. The film ultimately asks how we can survive the prison model at all. It looks at better solutions for conflict resolution, harm reduction, crime, and more. In this interview, filmmaker Matthew Cook discusses the difference between artists and entertainers, how he collaborated with artists like Danny Trejo, RZA, Ice-T, and Susan Sarandon, and the importance of compassion for our whole human family. I don't really know that I, I wanted to make documentary films. I just saw some strange things happening in this mysterious world we live in, and felt like we should probably keep talking about some of the stuff that really we don't need to be doing that are hurting each other and I'm a filmmaker so those two things kind of conspired to to um, propel me into so-called you know documentary making so from the trailer of your new film a lot of people will recognize uh, musicians like Riza and Buster Rhymes and, and actors like Patricia Arquette uh, or Danny Trejo Obviously, this is a very important subject, but how did you first kind of get involved with with some of these people um, for the film? Well, I mean, same way I think, you know, anybody kind of gets to know different groups of people. You meet one person, and one person knows another person, and knows another person, and they're all, you know, just human beings who care about this issue that we've let go on for just far too long, which is how we handle conflict resolution in our society and how we handle crime, so-called crime. And we're just like this, in this strange you know, 200, 300-year-old pattern of 
of uh, using prison as the answer to everything. Like you do something wrong, you do something that harms someone else, up oh, you get the police get called, you get put in cuffs, and you're thrown in prison, and uh, and that's that's the solution. And it um, it does more harm than good, in fact. So uh, a lot of people have been affected by this. Um, people who are of every and any economic you know background, particularly poor people, and lots of entertainers, although they may be doing really well now. Uh, they started off poor. And why are they entertainers? Well, they're entertainers because they are in the arts. And uh, I think there's a lot of kind of confusion today when we talk about artists and entertainers. It's like we conflate sort of reality show people who are famous because of their personality or because of something like that, and people who are actually famous because they make art. They make music that we really care about. Or they, they're in, they do performances and bring characters to life in a way that... Uh, you know, it's really, really hard to do. And artists of that caliber, as um, as uh, is said in the, in the film, actually, are getting to the essence of what it means to be a human being. And if you do, are doing that, then you're caring about other human beings. And our uh, our criminal justice system is an ongoing five-alarm fire. And so that's why all these people wanted to be a part of something um, that they felt was going to you know, help bring it once again to our collective awareness. One of the first things that stood out to me while watching the film, most fictional movies will make you think that if you ask for a lawyer that you're confirming guilt or something like that. What are some other real-life examples um, or other rules mentioned in this Survivor's Guide to Prison that you'd like to discuss? Well, uh, one of them is have a lot of money for a lawyer. Um, you know, I mean, the, the tone of it is, is, a bit, is a bit tongue-in-cheek, um, but it's also practical at the same time. Uh, it would be hard-pressed to do um, in 90 minutes or 100 minutes a guidebook of all the loopholes and red tape you have to jump through, uh, and various different cases are going to have different requirements. Um, so you know, really the, the lessons the survivors got to prison are, are there to show uh, everybody how our criminal justice system, as it stands now, is not and should not be seen as natural and normal as the rising and setting of the sun, but should be seen as a construct that's dysfunctional. And so if you need to be aware that prosecutors have immunity and can act kind of outside or above the law um, and and that you're going to need to have an enormous uh, amount of money, treasure chest of funds in order to finance your own investigations and, and so forth, uh, and need that even to go to trial, is shocking. I think most people would be shocked to find out, for example, that over 90% of cases, 95% of cases even, are plea bargains. That we don't have a court system, um, you know, as, as you brought up, we don't have that. Um, we don't have uh, the right to a speedy trial. A lot of people, uh, you know, although that's a constitutional requirement of our criminal justice system, people spend enormous amounts of time in jail, can spend enormous amounts of time in jail, um, before they've even gone to trial. Uh, you know, so it's it's sort of endless. You kind of go through the, the list of constitutional basics, and we're violating all of them. It feels like we're kind of the one of the worst examples of the judicial system. Is there a better example to look to in, in terms of, like, another country for a set of standards? Yeah, you know, Norwegian, uh, Norway and Sweden and some of the those European countries have really, really interesting and innovative uh, and creative solutions 
Um, they're absolutely fascinating. Uh, there are countries that have, um, you know, maximum prison, prison sentences as opposed to minimum ones. And uh, what you find is when you deal with people in cases on a more individual level, uh, you come up with solutions that are far more effective at preventing people from committing crimes again uh, and also uh, victim, you know, offender reconciliation. There's a great story uh, from India um, where there was a, a just simply a town sort of wise person who was overseeing an argument that had taken place that had taken place between these two kids. One was a Muslim kid and one was a, a Hindu kid. And they got into a fistfight. It was a really dangerous situation because uh, the two families were really upset with each other. And it could have been something that kind of escalated into a, you know, a sort of a mini religious war within this, within this kind of shanty town where it was. And, um, and what the, the town's wise person, an unofficial deputy of the law, eventually determined by the, this, this small group, you know, this town, um, he came up with a solution, which was he, he had the two kids tie their legs together and go about their day with their legs tied together. And during the day, they had to each learn the other one's prayers. The Hindu boy and the Muslim boy each have to learn the other one's prayers. And then the next day, the Hindu boy has to recite the Muslim prayers for the Muslim community. And the Muslim boy has to recite the Hindu prayers for the Hindu community in town. And they end up becoming best friends. And so, you know, that's a, that's a lovely kind of idealistic example, but there are lots of examples all over the world of, of people doing, uh, coming together and doing creative, coming up with creative solutions to problems um, that are much better than the, the very, very um, black and white kind of competitive game system that we have that's really being run by maybe two forces. One is money. And these giant, giant lobby, lobbying interests, which have all this money, and 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 then fueled on the other hand by our worst uh, sense of revenge, which is totally understandable, especially when you have a heinous crime. Um, but with a little bit of perspective, you quickly see that revenge does not serve the victim, and it does not serve with getting our streets safer. It doesn't increase public safety. So we have a revenge system. We have a punishment model in the United States of America with some of the longest prison sentences on the planet for drugs and violent crimes and otherwise. And how successful are we? Well, 80% of people who go to state prison, most people are in state prison, not federal prison, they return within five years of their prison, of their release. They go right back to prison. So we've got a, you know, a failure rate of 80%, which is atrocious. So if we're reasonable... And if we're evolved uh, and we and we uh, think past, uh, think our way past that kind of sort of you know Cro-Magnon instinct to revenge, then uh, we can do things that are really in service to victims of crime and really you know focus on creating a more harmonious society, which is of course should be the purpose of a criminal justice system, not just to make money and, and satisfy our basis emotional reactions. It feels like a lot of the footage hasn't really been seen before, or it's been almost like hidden. Where did you come across the footage, or were you just like were you just the first one to kind of compile everything together this way? I mean, a lot of the footage, a bunch of that footage has been seen before for sure. It's just kind of putting it into a context. You know, I felt like that was that was my job. You know, whenever any of us sees something wrong, and we see stuff that's quote unquote wrong all the time, all of us, and so I feel like that's a little clue for us to 
know, okay, well, we're seeing something that's not working, that's not to the highest good of all concerned, and maybe we we then have an obligation or an opportunity to do something about it. So um, I looked at a lot of material and have been looking at a lot of material for the past couple of years, being someone who's just felt comfortable speaking out about you know, the necessity for criminal justice reform and tried to put it in a context that I thought would appeal to people who don't normally watch documentaries. There's a line from the movie that says the average American commits three felonies a day without even knowing it. Are there too many laws, or is it just not enough of a distinction between misdemeanor and felony, or just something else? I think that's a really insightful way to ask that question. I think you kind of answered it. There's When we can't trust ourselves to make ethical decisions, then we need more and more and more and more laws and laws and laws and regulations and so forth. And then those laws and regulations have a singular consequence, which is prison. So if you have somebody who's suffering from you know, drug addiction or suffering from economic hardship, or you have someone, you know, a woman who's been sexually abused her whole life and uh, finds herself in a circumstance where she can you know, do something to, to get a leg up in life and it happens to be illegal, is the solution to all these things prison? You know, no is the answer. This is not helpful. This does not help you know, the victim. If there is a victim, you know, drug, it could be argued that, you know, drug offenses are certainly, to a great extent, victimless crimes. Um, and there's also, you know, all sorts of, quote-unquote, criminal behavior, behavior that causes real harm to society, environmental harm to our planet, uh, corruption in our government. And there's a whole echelon of people who never get arrested. They never go to prison, you know, except in the most extreme circumstances. Um, you know, if you think about, if you think about how we use law, and how we use our perception of authority. If you think about the Iraq War, for example, and you know, if you do believe that that was a war that was based on lies, and that hundreds of thousands of people were killed under a false pretense, whether their country was uh, good in any place or not, uh, that's murder and murder based on lies. No one went to prison for that, uh, and yet you know somebody who you know gets into a, a fight, with, you know situation where there's there's drug addiction and there's hardship in a household and, you know, a wife calls the cops on her husband, you know, for, for simply threatening her and then ends up going to prison and getting raped there. I mean, there's that, that you see the disparity and the problem. Um, you know, the issue with having a society which is just purely dependent on strict laws to govern every aspect of our lives, and then the apparatus used to enforce those laws is also violent in nature. Is just a, a, a recipe for barbarism. Um, so, so the issue is, you know, multifold. It's like an octopus with lots and lots of different tentacles because it extends into everything. We're talking about what system that we've collectively decided as 350 million people to try to maintain order, and uh, and and what we have is is a mess. Part of your answer about getting a leg up in society was discussed in your, in your other film, How to Make Money Selling Drugs. Is there one thing that links all of your films together, perhaps like problems with different forms of infrastructure or something else where you see a connection between all of your documentaries? Well, I've done seven documentaries, and it's only those two that really um, you know, deal with, with uh, public policy um, pertaining to, to law enforcement and, and laws. But no, I think it's just the human condition. You know, these are the things that I'm interested in, human beings and what drives us and 
and what hurts us and what can we do better. And I think maybe there's an under if there is an underlying theme to everything is that you know love love is the answer and love is practical and it doesn't need to be seen as a as a sort of unrealistic um, fantastical uh, way to go about problem solving. Um, if we're compassionate and we love one another and we feel that we deserve to have peace, meaning freedom from suffering, freedom from violence, freedom from uh, a lack of food and, and water, freedom, I mean, freedom from the suffering that comes from a lack of food and water, freedom from the suffering that comes from an unfulfilled life, that kind of peace and love for one another is, is certainly what we all would have for our children, for our parents, for our brothers and sisters. And it's, it's sociopathic to not extend that love to our whole human family. So I think it's just care and concern for each other and a recognition that we're all in this together. And that's what drives it. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Before you leave, don't forget to sign up for the weekly newsletter. We also get free access to the freelancer course, master the freelancer mindset. This system will teach you exactly how to find clients online, which includes step one, the psychology of the mindset, step two, how to create a killer profile, and step three, how to find quality clients. This online course is valued at $99. It can be yours for free. In addition to the free course, you'll get access to the ebook, How Hollywood Screenwriters Annihilate Writer's Block. This contains advice from Aaron Sorkin, Carrie Fukunaga, and William Monahan. You can find all of this and more on creativeprinciples.live. Visit the website for new interviews, articles, and the daily blog. That's creativeprinciples.live.